This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. St. John's doing their thing here against Providence over at Madison Square Garden. Off to a rip-roaring start as per usual. College Hoops has been good this year in this area. It really has been. Seton Hall has been, I think, one of the big surprises in the country. Uh, what they've done so far in the Big East, winning some games. Patino, um, you know, may, you want to say he's a little ahead of schedule here in, in, in reshaping St. John's? It's virtually an entire new roster from what we saw last year when Mike Anderson was still there. But that's college hoops right now, and you could essentially get a whole new set of players from one season to the next. You don't have to change coaches to do so, but that's the game, and how quickly can you adapt? Those are the ones that are going to be more successful, and he certainly has plenty of experience in doing so in all his years on the sidelines as a Hall of Fame coach. So we'll keep up to date on that one as far as everything um is concerned. One other thing before we go back to the phones, there really isn't any news as far as the Jets head coaching, or not head coaching, there's not going to be any news there, but the Jets coaching staff, any sort of changes as far as that is concerned. And people are kind of like, well, I, the, 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 you know, fans are perplexed. Like, how do you not make any changes? How do you, this guy and that guy, what, how, how do you bring everybody back? Well, remember something. Last year, when they had the baggy day and the season ended, there weren't any changes that were announced. And then the dust settled. They went through their internal meetings. And then a few days later, you found out that, you know, they were making a change and that Michael LaFleur and the organization were going their separate ways. Okay? So I wouldn't completely rule out a change or two being made. As a matter of fact, if I was, you know, going to put my money on it, I, I'm pretty pretty confident that there will be a little bit of a different look. I'm not saying anything glaring, something that's going to completely jump off the page, but there will be a couple of tweaks to the coaching staff. It's inevitable. It happens each and every year. And I say this only because there was a move that was made in the NFL today. Another assistant coach let go. And it was the Chicago Bears who parted ways with Luke Getze, who's their offensive coordinator for the last two seasons. And why is that interesting? Well, Luke Getze... Before he got to the Chicago Bears, he was an assistant coach at a place called Green Bay. And he was a quarterback coach where he worked with a quarterback named Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has spoken highly of Luke Getze in the past. Those offensive meeting rooms with himself and Nathaniel Hackett and Luke Getze, and he could throw uh, Matt LaFleur's name in there. They had some success. Rodgers won a couple of MVPs. So if you are looking for an outside name that could potentially making their way to Florham Park and joining the coaching staff for next year, specifically on the offensive side, I would say that the Luke Getze situation is one that is worth monitoring. That's just my own little personal belief. Now, look, there could be some other team out there that hires Luke Getze to be an offensive coordinator, which would certainly be a step up from you know, being, let's say, a quarterback coach. But don't be too shocked if that's a transaction that you see come over the wires over the next couple of weeks, perhaps, with Luke Getze joining the Jets coaching staff. You know, guys, we've been at this long enough, right? You put two and two together, you connect the dots. That one makes it seems like a heck of a lot of sense to me. And speaking of Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there is not going to be an Aaron Rodgers appearance the rest of this football season on Pat McAfee's show. 
We know that it's created a lot of headlines the last couple of weeks, that's for sure. And so McAfee came on today and said that, you know, they, they pulled the plug on it for the rest of the season, let the dust settle a little bit, and uh, everybody go to their respective corners and just kind of cool off a little bit. I think it's good for both parties. And the bottom line is this. I'm just saying from a Jet fan perspective, which I know a lot of you listening are right now, I understand that you're not going to agree with what everybody says outside of football, what their personal beliefs are on anything in this world. But all the Jet fan, I think, cares about deep down, as far as Aaron Rodgers is concerned, is is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to remain durable? And is he going to help win me football games? That's all they care about. Because if he does all those things, all that other stuff is not even going to play a role in how you feel about him. It's the bottom line. Right? I was talking about this the other day. Everybody remembers the anticipation and the hype on that September the 11th this past year when that place was a madhouse and the lights were out and they were doing the pregame introductions and he came running onto the field with the American flag. There had never been a scene like that that I could remember at that stadium in all my years of either covering the team, going to games as a fan, you name it. That was... Three-plus decades on steroids all in one night. And the anticipation and the hype and all of the above is going to be there again come September for the 2024 season. Because in a way, you're going to look at 2023 and say, well, it almost didn't happen because the quarterback only played four snaps. You win, all the other stuff takes care of itself. And as a fan, that's really all you should care about, right? Athletes, coaches, celebrities, whoever, they're they're imperfect people, just like you are, just like I am. What they do away from football, what they do off the field, as long as they're not breaking any laws, who the hell cares? They can believe what they want to believe, say what they want, who cares? Win football games. That's what the team is paying them to do, and you as a fan, if you're giving your time and your money, that's what you're paying to see. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because there's been this this prevailing thought that, you know, the fan base is going to turn because of all the stuff that's been said here over the last couple of weeks. And I don't believe it. I don't believe it for a second. You win games. You achieve on the field. That's all you care about. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's say hi to uh, Ira Staten Island, who's up next here on 98.7. Hello, Ira. How are you? Hey, good evening, Big Dan. And, you know, that, that was a great uh, way you laid it out. Um, yeah, I don't really care about anybody's opinions. You know, just don't break the law. Go out and do your job. That's really all I care about. And, you know, you mentioned about the season opener. That was um, that was louder in that than the Jacksonville playoff game, the Cole playoff game, when they beat the Packers to get into the playoffs. That, that, that place was wild. But I'm calling about Pete Carroll. Yeah. You know, I, I'll tell you, um, what, a, what a career as a head coach he had. And, you know, it's amazing. You go back, and I know you were a season ticket holder, and you go back and, you know, Leon has cut date on him after one year, which let the coach out, but we did get Parcells. But I, I tell you, it, I, it, to, it was a shocker to me. And who knows? You know, I don't know if he's going to stay in that front office like the reports are, if somebody's going to offer him a job. But I, I don't think Pete Carroll's days as a coach are done. I think if somebody reaches out to him, uh, if the situation is right, I think he'd probably be tempted. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, and Ira, thanks a lot for the phone call. He, here's the only thing, and I'm not saying that it can't work, but I do think that in this case, you know, Pete's age plays a factor. Not saying in what his abilities are, but how it's looked at and perceived around the league and in the profession. 72 is 72. Remember, that's one of the reasons why, you know, it was working against Tom Coughlin when he and the Giants ultimately parted ways is that Tom started to get up there in years and he can't look aging is inevitable it's all of us but this is a job that's so demanding and so stressful and I understand that you know you have the energy and Pete is an extremely enthusiastic guy doesn't seem his age one bit but ultimately it's not his call you still have people to answer to and whether that's the owners whether that's the general managers the front office and they're the ones that are ultimately going to decide your fate and if they think that the position is best suited for somebody a little bit younger. And I don't even think age played as big a role as maybe some would think this time around with Carroll. I just think they wanted a little bit of breath of fresh air, if that makes any sense, because you had somebody who's been on the job for as long as he has. And oh, by the way, let me say one other thing too, reverting back to the Luke Getze stuff with the Bears. We're all sitting there trying to figure out how the Bears are going to approach the draft. Right? Are they going to trade Justin Fields? Are they going to select a quarterback? Are they going to keep Justin Fields? Because the Bears are sitting there right now with the number one pick. Here's all I'll say. Now that Luke Getze is gone, if, if they decide to run it back with Justin Fields next year, whatever new offensive coordinator that they hire, that's going to be Justin Fields' third offensive coordinator, third different O.C., Third different system in four years. Is that conducive to getting the best out of a young quarterback and developing a young quarterback and allowing his skills to shine? I don't know that it is. So maybe that has factored into things a little bit here. Now, the Bears do things a little stupidly, as we know, and they have not exactly been a model franchise and very well run over the last several seasons, so I guess you have to take everything with a grain of salt anyway. But looking at it from an outsider's perspective, if I was trying to develop a quarterback and get him on the straight and narrow, I don't think the constant carousel and the turnover of systems and verbiage and play callers does him a service. So maybe they are going to start fresh with a new signal caller next season and a new play caller. We'll see. We'll see. And that's, look, before this news was even made today, I still thought that the Bears were going to go out there and draft a quarterback, even just for the sake of resetting the clock, right? Resetting your cap a little bit. Because you got to make a decision on Justin Fields, too. Are you going to pay him, or what are you doing, right? You're already three years in. You're going to have to make a decision on his 50-year option. You pick that thing up, then you're also setting the scene for somebody that you want to sign long-term. Well, instead, if you draft the quarterback, it's going to be a hell of a lot cheaper for the next three, four years. Let's say hi to James in Spring Valley up next. James, how are you? Dan, my man, what's going on, man? James! Uh, look. Man, well, first of all, big shout out to the company. Secondly, Dan, the, about the Giants, I, like, I think everyone gets blamed. I think it's a bad look on the Giants for not just firing him. It's a bad look on Brian Dable. It's a bad look on Wick Martindale. I feel like everyone gets blamed. There's no, like, side to handling. And I feel like it is petty and immature on Wink's part to go through the media and make Dable look bad. I think it's, I think it's bad on Dable for them. It seems like he has a problem getting along with people. 
So I think this whole giant debacle with the with with the, with Wink and them and his subordinates, I feel like everyone gets blamed because no one looks good coming out of it. That's number one. Number two, I think the Giants should probably look maybe if Antonio Pierce doesn't get the the job of the of, um, of the of the Vegas Raiders. I think that would be a good fit. Maybe Leslie Frazier, maybe Mike Zimmer, like someone like that would be a nice fit. That's number two. And number three, I just want to say, you know, it, the garden is really popping when the Knicks are balling. So let's go and hope you have a good rest of the show, man. James, appreciate the phone call. Look, here's the thing with the, with the Giants situation. And we're going to have Jordan on in about 15 minutes. Iron everything out with him. But here's the bottom line if you're Wink. And look, we knew about the friction, and those two weren't seeing eye to eye earlier in the season. I get all that stuff, right? It's been reported. Now, if things transpired the way it's being reported, that, you know, Wink cursed him out because Dayball fired a couple of his trusted guys on the defensive side of the ball, guess what? He's allowed to do that. He's the head coach. And Brian Dayball, look, he's only been at this thing for two years. He's been a head coach for two seasons. The first year, he had a tremendous amount of success. He was the NFL coach of the year. He won a playoff game. Year number two didn't work out as well. So you know what you do? You make changes. You don't just keep running it back with the same group. He had two years of data on these guys, and he said, well, you know what? I want to do it a different way. And if Wink Martindale doesn't like it, well, you know what? Do what you do. Walk away. You don't have to coach there, but at the same token, you can't sit there and, and, and curse out your boss because I don't care where you work, in the NFL, corporate America, the corner store. If you're insubordinate to your superior, then you know what? You're probably going to be shown the door. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is the Dan Grossa Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's ESPN New York Superbox Bonanza 5. We're giving away over $10,000 in cash and prizes. All qualifiers will get a $25 Fanatics gift card, a chance at one of 10 Superboxes with prizes including a big screen TV, Nintendo Switch, MetaQuest, and much more. Get your box for the big game by listening to DPH and Rothenberg from 6 to 10, Barton Hahn noon to 3, The Case Show from 3 to 6.30 for a chance to win $500 in the first and third quarter. $1,000 at halftime and a final score payout of $2,000. It's all brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. For full contest details, go to superboxbonanza.com. Dan Grass's show, we roll till 9 o'clock. Jordan Renan is going to join us coming up in about 10 minutes or so to talk all things New York Giants and the winds of change, which are sweeping through East Rutherford, it seems like, as we speak. As far as wildcard weekend is concerned here, 
And we'll get more into the games, you know, over the next couple of nights as we get closer to the weekend, though. I, I, I guess, I mean, I have no problem with the structure of the schedule, like the fact that we, you know, play a game on Monday nights now. I mean, I, I've gotten used to it. You know, I'm not going to sit there and complain that we have more football to watch. I think everybody falls into that category. The streaming thing on Saturday, that's a joke. Um, it's not like it's taken me by surprise. You know, I, I think we were all aware of it. And, and I'll just lay the seed for you right now. If you are opposed to a playoff game being streamed, well, buckle up and be prepared for what you might see even as early as next year because you might get two games in the playoffs that are streamed next season. Not saying it is going to happen, but don't rule that one out because if you're already getting one, you know that others are going to be right there saying, hey, why not us? Whether that's the Amazon Prime folks who pay the National Football League a heck of a lot of money, or any of these other, you know, whether it's our company, ESPN+, Plus, you name it, right? You've already had games this year that were streaming-exclusive games. Why should the playoffs be any different? But as, as far as the matchups are concerned, I, I like, there's, there's something intriguing to me in each and every one of them. And so I don't think there are many duds on this slate. Look, I understand it's playoff football. These are supposed to be the best teams still standing. I get it. So we, we should have value in them. But I, I'm actually into these games. You know, the Saturday 430, which is like the Houston Texans Invitational, which is what you could kind of name it after all these years. It seems like they get that first game of the weekend, no matter who they're playing. You know, let's see if Joe, uh, Joe Flacco's got an opportunity to pull another rabbit out of his hat? Or is he going to turn into a pumpkin at some point? You know, the Houston Texans, who had a phenomenal season, one of the surprise teams in the NFL, can they actually win a playoff game with C.J. Stroud at home, right? The streaming game on Saturday night. There's supposed to be weather that factors in. It's supposed to be one of the coldest games in NFL history. Can that Dolphin offense, which is, you know, prided on speed and explosiveness, is that going to be able to function playing the game essentially at the North Pole on a frozen field in Kansas City? And what about this Chiefs team? Look, I've been saying it for weeks. Both teams that were in the Super Bowl last year, the Chiefs and the Eagles, they both look like clubs that could be one and done in the playoffs. But I think they both got good enough matchups to where they might be able to live and survive for another week. Dolphins are all banged up. And like I said, the home field, the weather, I think that's going to play a factor. I am not confident in that Dolphins team going to be able to go out there and light up the scoreboard in those conditions on Saturday night. Furthermore, against the Chiefs defense, it has actually been pretty good this year. You know, that Chiefs defense has been the strength of the team, even though you got Mahomes on the other side of the field. Buffalo, who was in deep doo-doo for a long time, they've righted themselves. It always ha- it hasn't always been pretty, but they found ways to win. And now you got a Pittsburgh Steelers team coming in, which I think is a tailor-made matchup for them. Right? T.J. Watt's not playing for Pittsburgh. Steelers have only won one game in T.J. Watt's career that he's missed with, like, double-digit losses. So I am not confident that Pittsburgh and Mason Rudolph are going to go into Buffalo and win a game. The Green Bay-Dallas game is going to be phenomenal. It's going to be the highest-rated game of the weekend, hands down. It's going to do phenomenal numbers. The Sunday, late afternoon game on Sunday is always going to get you the biggest rating on Wild Card Weekend, so it's no surprise that it's Packers and it's Cowboys, two national brands with tremendous fan bases. You got Stafford going back to Detroit on Sunday night. That's going to be interesting. How is this Lions team going to fare being 
you know, the home team in this situation for once. This is the first playoff game in the history of Ford Field. That's how bad the Lions have been that they haven't even hosted a playoff game in the 20 years that that place has been open there. But I certainly think the Rams are more than capable of going in there and beating the Lions. And then on Monday night, somehow, someway, the Bucks are there as division champs, second year in a row when they get a playoff game at home two years in a row. Last year it was Dak and the Cowboys who went in on that Monday night and lit up Tom Brady and the Bucks and ended Brady's career. And now Philadelphia is seeing if they could right the ship. And do exactly the same thing. I would think that the Eagles would be able to put everything together at least for one game, one night, and take care of a Bucks team that isn't really all that good. But there's a lot going on with this Eagles team. And nobody can point a finger as to what it exactly is. I think it's a multitude of issues that they're working through. You know, somebody said a little while ago about this team, I can't wait until I read the book on the 2023 Eagles. So there is a lot going on. And and so much so, I mean you think that it might be it might be ridiculous and unheard of. But would it really be crazy? Like remember I was talking a little while ago about all the coaching changes in the NFL. Would it really be out of this world and out of the realm if the Eagles lose this game on Monday night that they move on from Nick Sirianni? Would you really be shocked? You can't. Not in this day and age. Not in the NFL now. You can't. You know, the owner knows exactly what the hell's going on behind the scenes. They see it all. And if they end the season on the skid like they have, with the exception of, you know, that Giants win on Christmas Day, and they lose to the Buccaneers in round one of the playoffs, they might think that, you know what, this coach has lost the locker room. And he's lost the team, and his message has fallen on deaf ears, and they might find a new voice. And this is a coach who's made the playoffs in all three seasons, right, who took a team to the Super Bowl last year. But that's how fast things change in the NFL. On top of the world one year, and maybe looking for work the next. So I'm pumped for these games. Really and truly are. This should be a fascinating weekend of football. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let us say hi to Simon and Queens up next here on 98.7. Simon, how you doing? Yeah, hi. Good evening. Um, I just got a question. Is, is Tyrod Taylor coming back next year? He's a free agent. I mean, I mean what, what is the Giants' option? I don't see the direction of, of what the Giants are looking to do with quarterback. Because uh, what I saw uh, with his last two weeks against the Rams and the Eagles the Giants as a team looked like a different team under when Tyrod's under the helm. Yeah, but you would actually like consider – but, Simon, let me ask you a question. You would actually want Tyrod Taylor to be your week one starting quarterback next year? I would have no problem with it. I feel like the offensive line plays a lot more better. The whole team is just more efficient. I mean, then look – he put up 300 yards against the Eagles and the Rams. The Rams were coming into that game pretty hot. Yeah, I understand that. But here's the thing, Simon, and I thank you for the phone call. You can't have Tyrod Taylor as your starting quarterback next year. I mean, if you want to bring Tyrod back as the backup, I have no problem with that. But Daniel Jones is going to be on this football team, at least for another season. Is he going to be ready for week one? I don't even think he has the answer to that question. He was asked that question the other day at at Baggy Day, and he said he wasn't exactly sure. But Tommy DeVito's under contract. Daniel Jones is under contract. I'm not saying DeVito's going to be your guy week one either, but I think the I would be pretty surprised if the Giants don't use a draft choice, a relatively high one, on a quarterback once the draft rolls around. 
I don't know if that guy is going to be your week one starter, but I would probably guess that Jones, DeVito, and a rookie are going to be the three quarterbacks on the roster once 2024 is ready to roll. Those are some of the questions and then some that we will pose to Jordan Renan when he joins us coming up next. Dan Gross' show on a Wednesday, 98.7 ESPN. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Joining us now to answer all of those questions and then some is our good pal who covers the Giants for us here at ESPN. It is the great Jordan Renan. Jordan, how we doing? I'm doing good, Dan. How about you? Oh, we haven't uh, we haven't had our regular appointment. I know the holidays got in the way and all these other things, but now we're back. You know, we're back on schedule, which I'm of course thrilled about. Here, probably a little bit more thrilled than Wink Martindale was to come back for another round of duty with the Giants. I guess, huh? Yeah, yeah, he didn't want to come back for another round of duty with the Giants, but the Giants kind of forced his hand on that too, and uh, they took the preemptive strike. <laughs> they fired his two. You know, his two two top lieutenants uh, got the reaction, I think, that they kind of wanted. And, uh, you know, and were able to sort of move on. Like, Wink Martindale, they knew was never going to stay once they fired. You got to chop, chop the guy's legs off. Like, they, you know he wasn't going to stay at that point. And so, a little, little haggle afterwards, he, you know, said his due, uh, went home, and you know, got back to them a few days later, and here we are. He can go anywhere he wants now. And the Giants uh, don't have to pay the $3 million they owe. Well, in the middle of the season, the reports came out that those two weren't exactly seeing eye-to-eye, talking about Dable and and, and Wink Martindale. When did this Mm -hmm. kind of boil over? Because last year everything looked hunky-dory. You make the playoffs, you win a playoff game. Like When exactly did things, from your perspective, get untenable, if you will? Yeah, I think there were some little things that probably existed last year, but when you're winning, everything kind of gets smoothed over, right? you can gloss over these things. And then when things started going poorly this year, uh, remember they got off to a horrible start and the offense was really just non-functionable. At that, at that point, I think that's kind of when it, it, like that added to the problems that already existed. The fact that, all right, now Dable's offense, right? Cause it's, like, it's really Dable's offense was basically unable to do anything. And their lack of success was now bleeding into the defense and the way that, you know, I believe Wink and the defense guys were looking at it was like, you know, they're making every excuse for the offense and they're leaving us out here hanging dry and everything's like, you know, they're like tilting the field for the offense and uh, the offense was, what, 32nd in the league at that point. The guys who are going to be in the running to take over as the next defensive coordinator, 
Do you think that this is a move that the Giants act quickly? Because, look, the names that are being bantied about, whether it's, you know, Antonio Pierce, Leslie Frazier, whoever, those guys are interviewing to be head coaches. So do the Giants have to play the yeah. waiting game a little bit first? Uh, yeah, first of all, I, like, I don't know about it. Antonio Pierce is probably going to be a head coach, so I don't think they're even really planning on that, to be honest with you. Well, he wants the Raider uh, job. That I mean, that's, you know, he's already put in the time. He wants to nail down that gig yeah. before he's thinking about being a defensive coordinator. Yeah, and, and look, I I would, like, Antonio you know, Pierce is my head coach. is very enticing to me. I think he could be a really good head coach. I don't know if it's the right move for the Giants at this point. A guy who's never called plays in the NFL – uh, defensively, right? Because remember, Patrick Graham was doing that in Las Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's to have him as your defensive coordinator, like I don't, with a guy with Brian Dables. He needs to put a lot of that time into the offense. So what the offense was this year. To me, the Giants are kind of set up to have like a defensive head coach, which was the the beauty of Martindale. It just wasn't able to work out. So I think that's kind of what you're going to – if I were Brian Dable and the Giants, that I would be looking for a guy that I could just, you know, make kind of like the defensive head coach and say, hey, you, you know, you go do your thing. You know, Dable oversees it, but you could basically just give that guy autonomy to go run the run – the, the problem for me mm-hmm. is that now they have to start over, right? This is a big year three of this regime, and now they're going to have to start over in some way, shape, or form. That's just – you can't, you know, construe that as a positive for this, you know, program right now. Talking with Jordan Renan here on 98.7 ESPN. One thing that kind of surprised me, at, at least, when I saw this, the way that they went about their business cleaning up uh, a couple of days ago on Monday, why no individual exit meetings? Like most teams, you know, the players meet one by one with the head coach, the general manager, and I guess the Giants did it a different way. Is that something new? Yeah, I'd never seen it. I mean, I was stunned when I asked guys about it. Uh, I thought so. I saw that they were having these group meetings. So it was like uh, free agents meeting with the, you know, there was a meeting at 1030 or whatever. And I thought, okay, there's the free agents are all going to go in there one-on-one and meet with, with, you know, the, you know, Joe Shane and Brian Dable. And uh, that didn't happen. I guess uh, in this case, they kind of had bigger fish to fry, right? Like that seems to be, uh, you know, handling the, the, the wink situation and the coaching staff and, in that time frame where I guess he would have probably sat down and done the players, all this stuff kind of went, end up going down. So I guess they kind of put it on the back burner and figured, Hey, we could do it at a later date with most of these guys. Uh, but we'll do it remotely. I don't know. I, I, I haven't really dug into it, but I was, totally surprised by it. I've never seen it before in my life. All right. So it, it's like groundhog day again. Here we are. Year after we're sitting speculating about Saquon Barkley the entire offseason, it happens again. Um, <laughs> franchise tag? I mean, we, we, let's throw that one out there. It, does that seem the likely course of action, or do you think that this is going to have a different ending? Yeah, I do. I think that's probably the likely course of action. That's just my opinion. You know, I'm following the breadcrumbs here. <laughs> and the thing to me that says, you know, some people are like, oh, is this, you know, he might be gone. Like, if. Uh, the way the Giants handled the trade deadline makes me believe that their intention was to keep him. Right? Because mm-hmm. they did not put him on the block. They did not even consider it. They told Saquon, we're not trading you. That's not the that's not the actions of a team that then goes, you know, what, three months later and just lets him walk. 
So can, yeah, and are they willing to pay him? Look, in order in order to get a deal done, they probably have to give him. You know, you probably have to get into the twenty four, twenty five million dollar range. I forget what the average is per year. It's essentially two the two years, two years, twenty four, twenty five right. million. They weren't really interested in doing that last year off a great year for them. Like, what makes me think that they that they're going to get there this year? So, I, yeah, I do. I think to me, the franchise tag is probably the most likely thing. And you know what? It's not a terrible deal for Saquon this year. Is the week one starting quarterback for the Giants on this roster right now? Oh, yeah, I do. I believe the week one uh, starting quarterback would be Daniel Jones. Even if you draft the guy, Daniel Jones could be on the roster, right? But he'll be ready to go? Oh, 35 and a half million. Yeah, he had the surgery on Thanksgiving. It's easy to remember. I can't, still can't believe uh, an alien would have the surgery on Thanksgiving and I'll be like, let's do it the day after, you know, or something <laughs> we like that. We talked about that, right? Actually do it <laughs> on Thanksgiving. Still blows my mind. So it's very easy to remember. Uh, and what, like nine months is more than enough, barring a setback, I believe, for a quarterback to get back, especially since they don't get hit in practice, they don't get touched. And so nine months from November is what? Uh, August? Yep. Like late late August, fully cleared, so that gives him like another three or four weeks. And even before you get fully cleared, he could be doing a bunch of stuff out there, right? He could be doing drills and all this other stuff. So I do. I I think, especially with the way he works, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back earlier. I mean, Daniel Jones, you know, first of all, he's a big, strong dude. He's a lot bigger than anybody probably even could imagine if you stood next to him. Like, wow, he's he's huge. Uh, and I I believe in his work ethic, and I I just think. He's a tough guy. He's had some high ankle sprains and uh, just basically played through it. So I, I do think that he'll be ready for the start of the season. And even if you draft the guy, it makes sense. Okay, we could bring him along slowly. Let's, you put Daniel Jones out there and you say, look, you know, if you play great, we're not going to take you out. Just, you go out there and prove you're this quarterback that, you know, we paid you to be. And if he does that and plays at a super high level, that's a good problem for the Giants to have, right? Then they have a good quarterback playing well. And a good young quarterback, and he could decide what to do, you know, the next year from there. So I, I do think as long as Daniel Jones is healthy, even if they draft a quarterback high in the draft, he'll be the starter week one. All right, I agree with you. I think they are going to draft the quarterback. I mean, they're picking sixth, and and who knows if they stand pat or trade down, whatever. But I expect them to to draft that quarterback and to draft even in the first round with that pick. So pretty high up here. Okay, but then who do you like? Who do you like? It's hard to say. Still, Jaden Daniels. Now I'm not a Jaden Daniels. Like I, I'm, I'm not a Jaden Daniels no. guy yet because Jaden Daniels needs to bulk up a little bit. You know, unfortunately, we saw Bryce Young. He's he's on the slider side, yeah. and you saw his struggles last year. I was never on board with that. I, I, I it's still so early on in the process um, with all that stuff. But even with, I mean, look, Michael Penix played horribly in the championship game, but Michael Penix also has two ACLs that you have to worry about on the next level too, possibly rearing their ugly head. So I don't, you know, it's it's yeah. tricky. It, it look, you know, it's an, it's like picking a name out of a hat, throwing a dart up against the wall blindfolded. That's what it is trying to pick a quarterback. Yeah, it is, but it's uh, you know it's like you're taking a huge swing and you're hoping to hit a home run because when you hit a home run, you're good for like you know ten to fifteen years, and uh, when you're lucky enough to be that, you're like uh, you're the Green Bay Packers, right? And then you're you're good for like what thirty years, two quarterbacks. Yeah, you're spoiled. Now it looks like they hit another they hit another one. I mean, come on, 
But here's the, the wealth, Green Bay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. Okay, let's say you Jets, dra- Meanwhile, Jesus. Uh, well, another story for another time. Who then is your <laughs> backup next year? I mean, Tyrod's a free agent. Okay, so if you have Daniel Jones, the rookie, Tommy Cutlets is still under contract. Who do you think then would be the backup quarterback week number one? I mean, you give Tommy DeVito the opportunity, but it's probably the rookie. You know, if the I mean, you would hope the rookie's developed enough where he could be the backup. But, uh, yeah, and if Tommy DeVito looks good and you're like, we think this guy could really play, and it just benefits the rookie just to, you know, spend a, a year, you know, carrying the clipboard, and you do that. But, yeah, otherwise you have to get a veteran backup. And I know people like Tyrod and the way he played, and I, I get it. He played really well. I just don't know if Tyrod and Daniel Jones is the right mix, given the injury history of both. And even in that last game for Tyrod, would he get hurt like three times in the last game alone? I mean, like just to have him, him with Daniel Jones, and you know, if they don't draft a quarterback, just I don't know. That just seems like that could go that could go bad. All right. Jordan Renan joining us here, 98.7 ESPN. A couple of more things I want to hit with you here before we say goodbye. Number one, and and I should have mentioned this earlier when we were talking about the coaches, Kafka's getting some interviews here for head coaching gigs. Do you expect him to be back? Even if he doesn't get a head coaching job, do you think he's returning as the offensive coordinator? Uh, Probably, but I wouldn't – I'm not, like, 100% sold on that. I think that there might be desire on his end to – go elsewhere if there's a better opportunity and uh you know i don't think that it'd be something the giants would be you know fight super hard against the uh, the biggest problem for the giants is probably the perception of it as having to overhaul all three coordinators in one offseason i don't know how that can be looked at as a positive for brian dayball right or for the organization as a whole right you want continuity yeah to like you know two of the guys wanted to leave and the other one we kind of wanted to leave and we fired, we fired him first. Like, uh, I don't know that that has a, a very bad look in John Mara and ownership in particular, you know, they care about perception and narrative. All right. Two more guys here. Free agents. One Xavier McKinney guy played every snap for them this past year. He's one of your players mm-hmm. you brought in. You know that he's going to be costly. What about him? And the other guy, of course, is Waller, who we all expected a lot more from this year. Missed five games. I understand that, you know, there was a lot wrong with that offense apart from him, but what type of a deal do you think Waller would command? How serious are they about bringing him back since they didn't really get the full effect this year? So those two guys, Waller, McKinney, what do you think their futures yeah. are? Waller, Waller's under contract. Uh, they even moved some money back this, this past year for him, so – Oh, my uh, bad. I thought Waller was a free agent. My fault. My fault. I thought he no, was a no, free the, agent. The, the, no, no, no. No, the question with him is, is it worth, I was about to say, is it worth cutting him? Right? Because you can get, you can save money by cutting him. I forget the exact number off the top of my head. But you could save a, a chunk by cutting him. So is it worth keeping him? Because he's clearly not the same source of player he was in the past. Right. But I still think they, the way Joe Shane made it out is that, um, they would like to keep him. He's still a quality player. Uh, maybe not the you know the number one type receiver that they were hoping they got in that trade. And I know they had their fingers crossed on that end, but you know the wear and tear is kind of taking its toll on him a little bit. Xavier McKinney's going to get paid. I will say this: I do think the the odds that Xavier McKinney return increase with Wink Martindale leaving because he, I do not think, was uh, overly convinced about. <laughs> 
Xavier McKinney as a leader long-term for this organization. Waller's dead cap hit would be $7.8 million, so you could essentially get out of it after next year, the way all the money is kind of spread out, so to speak. Right. Yeah, so there's, it's, it's really it's a money factor, not like, do we want to keep him? Yeah, I think the Giants would like to keep him. He could still contribute. I mean, he's still a factor when he's on the field. You know, Even if he's not a top three or five tight end, he's the top ten receiving tight end still. I can still do something. So I do think they ultimately keep it. And that's the whole thing with Saquon. It's like they already, let's think, we already mentioned they have a serious hole at quarterback, right? They need to figure out quarterback in some way, shape, or form, even if it's just a backup. They need a wide receiver one and need at least two starting offensive linemen. Do we really want to make more holes at running back or tight end? Right? It's like how many holes can they can they realistically fill? Right. So I, I think in one offseason. That, yeah, they, they they need they need to keep something like where they're all where their weapons on offense like we no, I agree just, yeah yeah you can't just get like six weapons it's not going to happen and then you wonder who the, the new defensive coordinator is going to be what does he think about the personnel on that side of the football and you want to then possibly get guys in here who are going to fit his scheme if it's somewhat different than what Wink Martindale was employing yep. so it's again you you like that's to why th- the whole Wink thing was a mess yeah. That's why the whole thing was a mess. Well, and like, that's the for problem. That reason, like, well, I was just saying that's the problem too. Like, I understand, like, if it's not working for you, you want to make changes and fire all these position coaches. But great, if they're philosophically not aligned like your previous coach was, then that's going to be even more change for you on your roster. Yeah, which is why I, I mean, they let it just get to a point where it was irreparable, and at, at, at some point, Brian Dable is the head coach. He's got to make sure, you know. He's got to take care of that organ that, that relationship. Uh, and as far as I am aware, and as from what I heard, like there was never a point where they just like sat down and hashed it all out. Jeez. And to me, like, isn't that what a leader's supposed to do? Like that. To me, like that's how you could have saved the relationship. And it doesn't seem like that ever happened for one reason or another. Well, they could have done it New Year's Eve. You know, right after that tough loss against the Rams, they got a nice New Year's Eve powwow, worked it all out, talked about, you know, how they yeah, should have won the game. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was so over by New Year's Eve. <laughs> you need to do it in like you need to do it in like September. Yeah. October. You know? <laughs> Labor Day barbecue or something like that. But too little too exactly. late. Exactly. Jordan, great stuff, my friend. by the Dayball pool. Yeah, exactly. Swing by, you know, bring the kids. We'll hire a magician, a clown. We'll get the barbecue going and, you know, but another day for another time. We will uh, give Daniel you a holiday. Daniel Jones has been there. You know, like that's something Daniel Jones has done. <laughs> that's that's right. Daniel Jones over. That's over right. Over by the pool going over, going over plays. Well, you know, if Wink Martindale was there, maybe we wouldn't be here right now. They say the water is good for the, uh, the healing of the knee as well, so maybe Daniel Jones will be going back. The, uh, the 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 magic salt water. The chlorine. Cool. The chlorine. Yeah. The chlorine heals everything. That's what they tell you growing up. Good stuff, Jordan. We'll talk soon, my friend. I'm sure. All right, Dan. Have a great show. All right, good. Be good. There is Jordan Renan talking all things New York football Giants. You know, I mean, it's it's not the you would much rather have seen your team playing this weekend or next weekend if you're a Giant fan order. But hey. It's not like you aren't going to be in the news. They're not just going away because there's a lot of things that have to be sorted out here over the next couple of weeks. That is for sure. When we come back, we are going to sort out our over-unders, our picks from way back in September. How did we do? Should we be smiling? Should we be crying? Maybe a little bit of both. 
This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Still got another hour to play with. Got to get into some Knicks. Got to get into some baseball. You heard from a couple of new Mets that used to be Yankees earlier today and maybe what the Yankees' next moves are here in this offseason. And if you didn't get a chance to hear it, one of the, I don't want to say great, because there's different categories of great. I will say one of the more honest coaching airing of grievances, we'll call it that. I don't see, I won't even say it's a tirade. So one of the just very um more thoughtful expressions from a head coach after a game last night in the NBA. So we'll play all that stuff for you here over the last 60 minutes, plus plenty of your phone calls at 800 919 3776 But as I said, you know, way back at the beginning of the season, we make our picks. You know, as a show and as a group here, we have some fun with it, right? We do the over-unders based upon what uh, the boys in Vegas were thinking and how we maybe agreed or disagreed with how those teams would play themselves out at the beginning of the season. So at the beginning of the year, myself and Harvey and Joe, we did our picks, right? They picked three teams as 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 a union called the Producers. They made three picks, I made three picks, and we said, we'll see where the dust settles at the end of the year. So... Yeah, play the, kick that up a little. Give a, give a little, that's right, little oomph to it. You have to. All right. So your first pick, if I have my notes correct, and I still have the paper from September when I wrote it down, you guys went with the New York football Giants. Now, the Giants had an over-under of eight and a half, and you guys went with the over did the Giants hit the over on the eight and a half? No. No, they did not. All right, better luck the second time. Vegas was over under, those were the Raiders, of course, seven and a half. And you went with the under, seven and a half for the Raiders. You know what? That pick was looking really, really good when Josh McDaniels was still coaching the team. But apparently Mark Davis was not listening to the show the night we made these picks. Because if he was... He would have said, you know what? The producers got an under seven and a half on my team. I'm just going to keep this coach who has no idea what he's doing in charge of the team so the guys can hit the under seven and a half. Did he do that? No. He decided to put Antonio Pierce in charge, gave the team a little good swift kick in the you-know-what. They won a few games down the stretch, and they finished with eight wins, including the last one on the final day of the season, which would have given you guys the under if they had lost to the Denver Broncos didn't happen. Now, third time's a charm, right? Third time's a charm. You got to get this one. The Tennessee Titans, who had a really, really good coach up until 36 hours ago. Over seven and a half. They got Derrick Henry. They're a well-coached team. You guys went over seven and a half, thinking that, you know what? Mike Vrabel alone would be enough to will eight wins out of this team. They came close. They even beat the Jacksonville Jaguars in the final game of the season to spoil the Jaguars' run. But, didn't happen. Guys went 0 for 3. Pull him! (laughs) Pull his ass! Even at the mall. (laughs) He stinks! No, but seriously, those are, uh, it's, a couple of those were tough. Because you know what, look, I'll take the hit because... I had the Giants going to the playoffs at the beginning of the year. So I was right there with you with the over seven and a half. However, I didn't choose those as one of my teams for the over-unders. What I did choose was 
I went with Arizona, five and a half. I took the under. I thought they'd be the worst team in the NFL. They weren't quite that. They won four games. But I hit the under five and a half with Arizona. Baltimore's over-under was eight and a half. I laughed at that one. Eight and a half? Ravens are a good football team. Oh, Hell, please. I picked the Ravens to go to the Super Bowl. And they very well might. So over eight and a half, that was like taking candy from a baby. Nailed that one. So I was this close. I was en route to a 3-0, and a perfect over-under picks. Nine and a half with the Jaguars. What the F? What were the Jaguars? Eight and three at one point. Eight and three with six more games to play. All they had to do was win two of them. Two out of the last six. They got to nine. Then they go into Tennessee, last game of the season. They got Tennessee's got nothing to play for. Their coach still got fired even though they won the game. If they only took care of business and salvaged their season, won the division, they would have got ten wins and they would have hit the over nine and a half, and I would have been perfect three and oh, but did they? No! Of course not. We can't have nice things. So nevertheless, I'm 2 and 1. I can't cry about it too much. 2 and 1 is not too bad. You know, Dan, if you look from it from a certain point of view, we're 2 and 1 too. <laughs> What's a certain point of view? What's certain, what certain point of view is that? Two out of the three coaches got fired. Yeah, there you go. What are the odds of that? So you would go two and zero or two and one. We would go zero and three. But two out of our three coaches would get fired before the end of the year. And one and one even got fired during the season. So that that not great. No, but you see, like you do, like if this was like school, you would get like half credit for that Raiders one because I said like you thought they'd be under seven and a half, and the coach got fired during the season. So they were like well on their way to that, and then they had to stop in and say enough is enough. And then had to bring in a new coach. All right, what's the matter? You don't look so good. Yeah, I just donated blood. Why? It was dinner. <laughs> I think I might have to take another, another credit card. Okay. It's all right. So what did we say we were going to do? We owe you a dinner. Oh. Nice. Nice. I hope it's not like the Jets rookie dinner where they had to pay 14 grand in somewhere in Boston for the, <laughs> the Jets defense. Now, we'll talk it out. We'll make it happen. Yeah, we'll make it happen. Unlike some other shows, we'll make this one happen. We'll have a nice communal gathering. I don't get that reference, though, with the other shows. What is that about? Is there some some uh, gossip that I should know about? Look, some shows follow up on meetings. Some don't. Interesting. I got to get the de- uh, the details on that one. Starts early in the day. Wow. Oh, I know what you mean. I, I know where you're going there. There you go. So there's our over-unders. Had some fun with it. We and. Well, no, you guys did good. I mean, these are tough. I mean, it's the NFL. Nobody knows what the hell's happening from one year to the next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.